0: Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. All right, let's get started this morning. We've been sharing in a series called Unstuck. Say unstuck and we're going to wrap that up this morning, we've been looking at different ways that we can, we can separate from, uh, we can become unfastened from old ideas and, and ways of, of thinking and doing, modes of life. Have you ever realized in the walk, we could say the walk with God, but we could also say just a walk in life, that you've had maybe ideas that have changed and shifted as you've grown. And I think it's important that, I mean, this is what anyone who is mature in the real world does, they grow on this journey and they change in their thinking. I mean, don't you think we should do that in Christianity as believers as well? And so we can't be afraid of change. We can't be afraid of things shifting. What do we do? We always keep our center point, our anchor. The anchor of our soul is Jesus Christ, right? So as long as he's the center of it, we're okay. But sometimes we get a little scared. We get scared to ask questions. Let me tell you something. In this church here, you can ask questions. You can ask the pastor questions. What? Yeah. You can come to me and go, Pastor, um, I don't know about what you said. And I'll say, well, what do you think on that? And we can have a discussion. Because guess what? I'm not locked into anything. Now, there's things that I hold dear to my heart that that I believe are true. I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. I believe it symbolizes a brand new creation bursting forth since the resurrection, this new way of life. I believe in the tenets of faith. But sometimes we get so hung up in doctrinal issues that we'd rather argue and argue and argue. And have you ever noticed this? When you argue, usually you're not changing the other person's mind. You're just ticking them off. But I want us to be open to what maybe others have to say. And then what do we do? We use the scriptures and the Holy Spirit and the life of Christ to compare that and compare the notes. We should do that when we're looking in the Old Testament. Does that line up with Jesus? If it doesn't, then guess what? They didn't get it yet, but that's okay. Because how many here haven't got it all yet? And and you look back and you're like, I can't believe that two years ago I used to think or do that, right? Why? Because we're growing in the journey. So becoming unstuck should be something that's normal for us in this life. So today we're going to continue, and I want to continue in this idea of becoming unstuck in my family. Say family. Now, some of this stuff is going to flow off of what we've been talking about over the last several weeks, and it, but we're going to center it more on this idea of family in the home life. We are all learning when it comes to this family thing, aren't we? How many could say that I, I'm just continually learning when it comes to this family thing? And if you don't have a family yet that's okay. But even if you're single, you came from a family and you have to at least go see them on the holidays, right? Or vacation. So it's learning within this family structure, this family realm to become unstuck. But here's what we do know. There is no such thing as a perfect family. Can I get an amen? There's no such thing. That's why I tell people, again, if it's your first time, I say the one thing I need to let you know right up front is we are not a perfect church. Because we're human, and no one's perfect. Guess what? There's no perfect family out there. Now, I know if you look at Instagram and Facebook, it looks otherwise. Like, they have it perfect. Their kids never rebel. They never have to discipline. They just have ice cream and campfires all year long. But that's not the truth. Because there's no perfect family. And if we're to be totally honest, the truth is this. All families are dysfunctional. They are. There's maybe varying degrees, but all families are dysfunctional. And it feels bad when you get stuck. I mean, when you are stuck as a family, you can feel a lot of anger. Maybe you feel frustration. Maybe you feel disappointed in someone else in the family. Or maybe you feel let down. Or maybe, just maybe, we're holding a grudge. All of this happens when we feel stuck in our families we 've all probably had this in the past, right there 's maybe someone in our family who has done something to us and it 's offended us, and so um, you know it 's really grieved us or or check this out. Maybe we were the offending party. How many know that we aren 't perfect, and so there 's these offenses that can come in. We talked about that last week when we talked about unstuck and my forgiveness. These offenses have an opportunity in family and i 'm telling you what I know every single family deals with this because there is no such thing is a perfect family. But I do believe this, that the Heavenly Father doesn't want us to live life being stuck in our families. So there's a few things I wanna go over today and I wanna keep it brief, but four main points of what we can do. How do we become unstuck when it comes to this family thing? Number one, establish everything on love. Establish everything on love. The Apostle Paul says this in Colossians 3, verse 14. He says, above all, say above all, above so above anything else, look at this, clothe yourselves with love. Now, I love this terminology, just even this analogy, this idea that every day when you wake up, for most of us, how many put clothes on? My God, that's a lot of hands not up. That's scaring me. Um, we all put clothes on, but he's saying clothe yourselves in love. So cover yourself in love. Make sure that when people see you, like, wow, you're wearing a really nice love outfit this morning, that looks great, right? Are we clothing ourselves in love? He says, above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together, look at this, in perfect harmony. Now that word perfect actually could mean this, maturity. It's growth to maturity. So what it's saying is when we choose to clothe ourselves with love it binds us together and then we grow in maturity in harmony together I don't think we can talk enough about the importance of the foundation of love in our family life in fact that should be the very foundation of our life have you noticed I've even had people call me the love pastor because I talk about love so often but I believe that love has to be the foundation of our lives And so if it's the foundation of our lives, then it in turn will be the foundation of our family life. And so everything should be built on that. It should move through that. It should uh, have this progression towards love. And when we do that, you'll notice that your actions will change. How you talk to your spouse will change right? How you treat them, how you talk to your children were changed. Because love does something when you're aware of it. And when you begin to saturate in it and you begin to allow love to flow through you, you just make different decisions. Um, Because love is about benefiting others, not yourself. And so it totally shifts the paradigm of your thinking. And you start to say, hmm, maybe there's some things in my life that I haven't been operating or walking in love. And so again, establish everything on love in first corinthians the apostle paul's talking him he's talking about these great things like if he had faith to move a mountain and if he knew all the mysteries and he had all the knowledge but he said if i don't have love i have nothing did you catch that If you knew all the knowledge there was to know, you could speak in all languages, included languages of the angels. You had faith that could literally move mountains. I mean, that's pretty outstanding stuff, right? He's saying, but if there's no love present, it means nothing. Nothing at all. So it's so important that we build a foundational love in our family. So establish everything in love. Number two, create an atmosphere of trust. Create an atmosphere of trust. Now, I believe this is a really big deal. Most parents probably know what it's like to have the trust conversations with their kids, right? How I mean, you know know, as parents, we want to trust our kids. You ever had that conversation? You're like, listen, son, I really want to trust you. Listen, sweetie, I really want to be able to trust you. But maybe some things had transpired, and so there's mistrust now. And a lot of times it's easy as parents to say things like, I just don't trust them. And I think it's important. Like if your kid's 16 and you can't trust them, maybe don't give them the car keys yet. Don't walk by faith because I got to drive on the same roads, right? So maybe don't do certain things, but how do we build that trust up? See, when we think about this, the first thing we think as parents is I need to trust my kids. But often it's the other way around. Have we thought about this? It works both ways. How about promises that have been broken? You know, for, for some parents, I mean, we're so excited and we have these, uh, these great expectations and these, these great ideas. And so we'll put stuff out there, but then we can't follow through. And so then we break a promise. And then your child sits there and you're thinking, well, the, I lost my job or the money wasn't there or this situation happened or the weather wasn't right. But we neglect the fact that they're thinking, yeah, but you broke your promise. Right? That's a tough one. I would say this is one area I've done pretty good in. And and my son, my oldest son, Jonathan, even said this. He goes, one thing that you would do, you would never promise us stuff. You would always say, you know what? Um, I'd love to do that, but we can't right now. Or maybe we can do that in the future. Or we're planning on some stuff, but I'll let you know when we're able to do it. I was really, really careful not to put stuff out there. Doesn't mean I was perfect in it, but I was careful to do that because I didn't want my kids to think, wow, he's a promise breaker. Because kids internalize this stuff. But listen, if something comes up and you promise something, this is not a message for condemnation. The thing we do is we apologize. Say, listen, I'm sorry. Daddy messed up. I was thinking this. Kind of explain. Talk to your kids. Sometimes they're like, I don't need to explain anything to them. They're six. It goes a long way when you explain stuff to them. I actually have conversations with my kids. Even in discipline, I think it's really important that we speak to them in love. We speak truth in love and we keep their heart, right? But see, this is another area where I've messed up quite often, and that's disciplining and anger. You know, I haven't always been perfect at that. You know, you embarrass me or I'm in the middle of something or, you know, whatever. And so I discipline, but rather than it being in love, it's in anger. And, you know, those things aren't good at all. But the best thing you can do, again, is sometimes, especially if the little get down on their level and say, Daddy, sorry, I shouldn't have raised my voice. I shouldn't have treated you like that. You know, there's definitely consequences, and discipline is is vital, right? It's something that's vital we need to do, but discipline should always be, um, you know, training for their future, never punishment for their past. And so, there's times where I would just punish my kids because it was just easier to just punish. But am I looking at that as a training moment? And so those are moments where you may have to apologize. But this trusting, I think it isn't just the parents trusting the children. Sometimes it's your children trusting you, that you keep your word, trusting you that you truly love them. Because even in discipline, they need to know that your love is unconditional. There's absolutely no conditions. And what they do doesn't change or vary the level of love that you have for them. Because guess what? That example is the same as our Heavenly Father. His love for us doesn't change based on how we act. Now, do we want our children? Does he want his children to act like who they truly are? Absolutely. But the only way to get there is for them to discover their identity. And bringing shame with anger doesn't work. So our Heavenly Father doesn't do that to us. And so we shouldn't do our children either. But we create an atmosphere of trust. Paul tells us this in Romans 15:13. He says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace. Look at this, because you trust in him. He says, Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now look at this. He's praying that we would overflow with confident hope, not only that, that we'd be filled completely with joy and peace because what? We trust in him. I think this is huge in our home life. See, when, when kids can trust us, when we can trust our children, when we create an atmosphere of trust in the family, look what it brings. It brings a feeling of joy and peace. Isn't that beautiful? How many would say, you know, I'd love to have a little joy and peace in my household. If you had those days where you're just like, oh my gosh, what is wrong with my kids? What is wrong with my wife? What is wrong with my husband? What is going on here? How many would like to experience that peace? It starts with creating an atmosphere of trust. In fact, in Galatians, the Apostle Paul says this. He says what is important, the most important thing is faith, or we could say trust, expressing itself in love. The mere translation says this, love fuels faith. We could say love fuels faith trust see how these go hand in hand so first of all the foundation number one we looked at establish everything on love and what will happen from this what will flow from this is we will create an atmosphere of trust where we can actually learn to trust each other isn't that beautiful number three this is a big one forgive each other quickly (laughs) forgive each other quickly now this is a tough one Right. This is why we talked about it last week, but but forgiveness is a hard thing sometimes to give to people. And you know, I'm not talking about just you to your kids, but what about you to your spouse? And believe me, the kids see this. When you hold the grudge, when you walk around the house, when you answer short and curt, the kids see that. Right? And so it's important that we, we have this atmosphere also of forgiveness, that we forgive each other quickly. We could really say it like this I'm ready to readily forgive my family whenever necessary. So not only do we have this foundation of love in our household, right? What do we also have? We also have this atmosphere of trust. And from that, we also have this this atmosphere and this attitude of forgiveness toward one another. I remember this pastor, he was talking about his first day in psychology class. Now, this guy had already went to seminary, and now he was going to university to take psychology because he really wanted to have this understanding of family. In just a few months, he was going to be getting married. Uh, You know, they plan on having children, and he thought, okay, if I go to psychology, I can figure this all out. (laughs) Let's all laugh now, right? Because just because you have a degree doesn't mean you have it figured out. Well, he said he goes in the first day of class. The professor walks in, and he says, we want you to understand." That from the physiological standpoint, or sorry, from the psychological standpoint, all families are dysfunctional. It's just a matter of degree. And he's like, what? Wait a minute. All families are dysfunctional. Now, now, it's easy, right? When you see, okay, you've walked through Walmart before, right? You've gone through the mall, and it's easy to go, oh, wow, that family's dysfunctional. Check them out. But guess what? What do they say? When you point at someone, you got three pointing back at you, Right? Because guess what? We're all dysfunctional. It just matters on degree. And you ever notice this? If you have an issue in life, you usually don't notice it. But others do. That's funny to me that a psychology professor would say, listen, all families are dysfunctional. Raise Raise your hand if you grew up in a dysfunctional family. Every hand should go up. We don't have to feel left out, right? Because we all had those moments. Now, it doesn't mean that you didn't have a loving father or mother and and great siblings. And listen, we all get in arguments and things happen. We have opportunities for forgiveness. But what it's saying is we all sometimes have things that are deep-seated. We don't quite understand things in our soul. And that's what God desires to heal. But what we don't want is we don't want bitterness to creep up in families. Because have you ever seen families? Or maybe you are in a family where there's someone that doesn't even talk to family anymore or someone who the you know, door of, of relationship has been completely sealed off, this should never happen. And so let me say this. If, if you're from a family who has completely segregated you, separated from you, the one beauty about being in this spiritual family is you have a family here. And so maybe this is a place for you to to come and spend some time and find healing and wholeness for your soul. See, even if they never forgive you, and even if they never release you, and even if that physical family never lets you in, you still can be a person who becomes whole and complete in Christ. And that's the beauty of it. But today we're talking about this idea of becoming unstuck in our families. And I believe that number three is so huge. Forgive each other quickly. Paul says this in Ephesians 4:32 he says and be kind to one another tender hearted here it is forgiving one another even as God in Christ forgave you so say this with me there's no excuses see when we, when we hear this idea of forgiving others, I think for some of us we say, oh, how can I even do this? How can I even you know, conjure up enough power to forgive this person that seems impossible to me? We need to realize that we can forgive one another because God in Christ has forgiven us. And the greater one lives on the inside of us. And so the Spirit's always moving us forward, right? He's always moving us to a place to say, walk in forgiveness, Let that person off the hook. It's not just about them. It also lets you off the hook. It it puts you in a place where you can actually receive this joy that he talks about in life, this peace that he talks about in life. Why? Because this root of bitterness will take it away. We talked about that last week. So it's important that we are not just kind to one another or tenderhearted, but we forgive one another even as God has forgiven us in Christ. And so because God has forgiven you, guess what? We can forgive others who have wronged us. In fact, I want to tell you just very simply, holding grudges equals stuck. And we're trying to get unstuck, right? Forgiveness equals unstuck. And so when we forgive each other, we become unstuck from bitterness. You are never going to get unstuck in your family until you forgive. And for some of us this morning, maybe we're here and we're thinking, you know what, I need to really think about this. Maybe there's someone I need to release, I need to let something go, and I think that's important. Uh, Proverbs tells us this, Proverbs 17, 9, it says, He who covers and forgives an offense seeks love But he who repeats or harps on a matter separates even close friends, or we could say even family. I love what's said here. It says, he who covers. In other words, in a family, we got each other's back. I think that we should feel safe and secure in a family element. They have my back. He says, and forgives an offense, seeks. That word means desires or strives after Love, it's so important. Uh, The New Living Translation says it like this, love prospers when a fault is forgiven. That word prospers literally means to move forward. It means to grow. So love grows, it moves forward, it prospers when forgiveness is present. Love gets unstuck when a fault is forgiven. But on the other hand, dwelling on it, Harping on it separates others from us. And then the Apostle Paul says this in Romans. He says, Do everything possible on your part to live in peace with everybody. See, I love what Paul's saying here. This verse is so human to me. Here's the key. Do everything possible on your part. Wouldn't it be great to just pray the prayer and then everything was perfect? I'm in the kingdom and nothing offends me anymore. (laughs) right. But it says, do everything possible on your part. Meaning, you have a part to play. You have a role to play in this. And the role is this. I forgive you. And remember this. Forgiveness isn't a feeling. I've had people tell me, you know what, Pastor? I'm just not ready to forgive. Why? Because I just don't feel it yet. And I'm not making fun of them. I'm just Some people think, I have to feel like what they did to me is okay before I can forgive them. Well, maybe what they did to you will never be okay. Because it was wrong. But see, it's not about that. Forgiveness is a decision to say, no, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. Maybe 17 times a day. I forgive you. Whatever that takes. Why? Because it's not just releasing them. It's releasing you. It's not allowing bitterness to grow in your heart. And here's the deal. You can't control what others do or what they've done but you can do your part to forgive them. See, sometimes what happens is when people have done us wrong, we actually allow them to put us in the bondage. And we don't realize that, wait a minute, I actually have the power and the authority here to not let them bind me up by saying, I forgive you, I release you. What you did wasn't right, but I forgive you and I release you. You may have to remove yourself from a relationship if it's a person that's reoccurring and all they do is hurt and hurt and hurt. You know why do you do that? Because they don't know who they are. People act jacked up because they've lost their identity. They don't know who they are. And so for some of us, it's okay to separate and say, you know what, that's someone else's task in life, not mine, because they've hurt me over and over and over again. But what you can't do is hold on to the offense. You have to let it go for your own good and for your own health. So are you stuck in your family today because of grudges? These are good questions to ask. Are you stuck in your family because of bitterness, because of unforgiveness? Maybe today could be a place where you let your family off the hook and you offer forgiveness to them. See, don't let a grudge, don't let bitterness or unforgiveness keep your family stuck. So getting unstuck in my family means, number one, establish everything on love. Number two, Create an atmosphere of trust. And number three, forgive each other quickly. Now, here's number four, and this is a biggie as well. But this is one thing that we need to do. The other things, I believe, are things that that we can do. This other thing is what we allow someone else to do. Number four is trust God with my family. Trust God with your family. Ultimately, the best thing that we can do is simply trust God with our family And you know, you can't control the choices that your family makes. How many would agree with me? But you know what? Rather than worry or be anxious, trust God with your family. The Apostle Peter says, cast your cares on him, for he cares for you. There's a reason that he tells us that. That word cast in the Greek means to hurl. Have you ever had something so heavy and weighty on your soul that you literally felt like you had to physically pick it up and cast it on the Lord? Well, do that. He says to because he cares for us. And listen, you can't control everybody all the time. Husbands, you can't control your wives. Wives, you can't control your husbands. Parents, you can't control your kids. You ever had those days? We have those days almost all the time, it seems like. We say, what is wrong with our children? (laughs) It's like something detached from hearing and brain or something. I don't know what's going on. But what about this later in life? Because, you know, we, we use scriptures like train a child up in the way they should go. And when they're older, they won't depart from it. And so we're like, wow, that's just a promise. And so we do our very best. And then all of a sudden, they move out and they're acting completely different. And so we go, wait, what just happened? What just happened is life. You can't control people. You can't control their choices. Now, when they live in your house, you can. And this, as a parent, is what I'm really learning how to do. How do you let them make some of their own decisions? Because if their whole life is you saying, nope, you're doing this, and you control and steer with that heavy hand and thumb of life, eventually, when they move out, they're going to do their own thing. I've been there. I moved out at 19 and said, all that stuff you said I can't do, guess what? (laughs) ha. But then I found out it wasn't as fulfilling as I thought. So, listen, this is where we just need to seek the Lord for wisdom. Trust God with my family because sometimes I see my kids making decisions or saying things. I'm like, man, that's not the way I would go. But it's not really wrong. It's just different. And it's, it's this process of learning to let them be themselves. But also, you know, discipline when needed. But letting them be themselves because heavy hand doesn't work. Law doesn't work. I've seen way too many families. You know what? I grew up in church and it was pretty heavy handed. And, you know, we, we had all the scripture verses on how to raise kids and what you do and how you do it. And you know what? I could probably count on one hand any of those kids that are still in church or have any relationship with God or their family. It's really sad. And so maybe we need to rethink discipline and correction. Are you with me? I wasn't going this route, but sometimes we need to actually listen to what psychology and science is saying about children and development and growth. Listen, you can't just pull one scripture out of an Old Testament and say that's the way to do it. They didn't have all the knowledge we have now. And there's some children with certain personalities that if you go, quote, unquote, exactly by what the Bible said in the Old Testament to do, you're going to lose them. Do you hear me this morning? I know I'm on thin ice right now with some people, but I'm just telling you, there's some things that we need to awaken and say, wow, psychology and science has figured some things out about the soul and the mind and how things work. And here's what I found on my own is that all my children have different personalities and every child I had to discipline in a different manner. The strong-willed children, it might've been a little more firm and tough. Those who weren't strong-willed, it just smashed their souls into the ground. At the risk of losing their identity, who God's made them to be. And so with my older kids, they were the guinea pigs, aren't we all? I was the oldest, right? And so we learn from this process. But the thing is, are we listening to the Spirit? Are we learning? Are we growing? Every child is different. How you correct them may have to be different. It can't be cookie cutter. They all, everyone line up. You're all getting the swats. Well, maybe reconsider each child and what they need in that particular time of their life. I'm not saying you can't spank your kids; you can make whatever decision you want. I'm just saying, in this idea, how is that child's... And here, here's here's what has to happen: you have to have a heart that really cares to dig into their life and find out who they are. And that's hard. Anyone that says, "Yeah, parenting's easy," have you done it before? Because it's not, especially if you take the time to learn your children, learn their heart, their desires, their bents, who they are, what they aspire to do, their dreams. It takes time. And so I'm not saying we don't discipline. Of course you discipline. What good parent doesn't? But it's always with the idea of training them for their future. And listen, I'm still learning this. Sometimes it'd be like, you know, it'd be so much easier to go to the good old days, pull the switch off and go to the back 40 and we're going to take care of this. Right? It just seems like that could be easier. But is that more detrimental in that situation? Maybe. Are you crushing their spirit? Are you losing their heart? I never want to lose my children's heart. I always want to have relationship. And so I've had to say a lot of apologies for things and doing things wrong. And I know with my older kids, sometimes it's like, wow, you're really easygoing now. It's like, yeah, well, I'm old and tired. But besides that, I'm trying to figure things out a little bit differently so that I don't lose their heart. And that they're being trained to see, hmm, when they move out, they don't go, I'm going to try all this stuff when I move out because my parents were so heavy handed. No, they go, no, we talked about these things and the reasons why this could be detrimental. And we we float and we move through this journey of life together and it takes work. But at the end, I want my kids to always feel welcome in my household. I want them to always realize that we build on a foundation of love. That, that we always had forgiveness, that there's a trust factor there, that they can trust their dad. Because there's times where I've had to tell my kids, I, we would have this whole conversation, especially in the teenage years, where finally after this whole conversation of why they thought it was better, I would just say, do you trust me? Do you trust your dad? I'm not telling this to hurt you or take away the fun, but do you trust me? If you go down this road, it won't be good. I've been there, I've done that. I've got a closet full of shirts, right? That say, hey, I'm with stupid. And that stupid was me. I've made those decisions. So will you trust me? That's why trust is so important. And guess what? Even with all that, the perfect parenting, as perfect as you can be, they may still run off and do things you don't agree with. What then? Number four, trust God with your family. I said all that to come full circle to say, trust God with my family. That's what we have to do. Sometimes when there's nothing else to say, you felt like you prayed every prayer, just trust God. Put it in his lap, put it in his hands and say, God, you take it. In fact, I believe that we can wrap this whole series up in that statement becoming unstuck in our families, our forgiveness, our finances, even our faith starts with trusting our heavenly father. Saying, I don't know everything there is to know. I don't have all the answers, but you do. So I'm choosing to trust you. Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six, it says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go, look at this. He's the one who will keep you on track. We can even say this. A lot of times with our children, we we try to, um, you know, we've had children who have gone a little bit rogue and we're like, man, I don't know what to do. And so we went to what we thought we knew to do. So every time they came to our house to visit, we preached at them. And guess what? It didn't work. And so, you know, we had situations where like, well, you know, you shouldn't, and you know, and you know, you shouldn't, and you, and you know, you shouldn't. It was just on and on and on. And, and one day, the Holy Spirit, it's like this still small voice said, um, "Do you know they already know everything that you're saying?" It's like, huh? Everything you're saying to them, they already know. They've heard it for years. <laughs> just love them. What? But I got to correct, I got no, just love them where they are. That was hard. But it worked. So instead of every time they came over, because they started coming over less and less and less. <laughs> Why? Because they didn't want to get preached at. So we extended love and grace. And sometimes it was just small talk and hugs and kisses and we love you. And sending them back out into the lifestyle we didn't agree with. But we love them where they were. And eventually that all turned around. And there's a closeness that's never been there before. Why? Because we... It says here, he's the one who will keep you on track. I think many times we need to say, Father, I trust you. You're going to keep them on track. Hey, Bubba, I get a tissue, please. Thanks, Bubba. Should have had a stack up here. Listen, it's not too late to build a relationship with your children, your siblings. Sometimes it's a matter of just saying, I'm going to love you where you are. Does that make sense? So I'm praying that in the last several weeks we are becoming more unstuck more unfastened and separated from things that aren't helping us maybe things that are detrimental to our health and to our wholeness Do you know that Father truly desires to bring healing and restoration to your life? He loves this relationship with you He loves you And he wants to bring you to a place where those things that you might not even know are there will, where his love and light will expose those things, not to bring shame, but to bring healing and wholeness so you can now walk according to who you truly are as a son or a daughter. And a lot of times we just have to cast our cares on him. So sure, we set up a foundation in our households of love and we create an atmosphere of trust, and we most certainly extend forgiveness quickly. Let me add that. But a lot of times we just need to cast our care and say, Father, I trust you with my family. I encourage you to go to the website or even the Apple podcast and listen to the series over and over again if you need to, and allow the love of God to saturate you. Allow his care for you to overwhelm you and bring you to a place where you literally become unstuck in those areas that aren't helping you. Amen. Was this good this morning? Listen, I, I get emotional sometimes, but you know, when God moves in your life, it's hard not to. When He moves in relationships and He restores and He heals, it's hard not to. And my plan wasn't to say any of that this morning. I believe a lot of this today is because there's someone here who needed to hear this. It's important. We never close the doors to relationship. Even if someone else does, we can keep those doors open through love. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you, thank you for your love and your grace toward us. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who lives in us, who is always moving us forward in love trust, forgiveness, peace. And It's just a matter of us awakening to that and saying, I trust you. I trust you with my life. I trust you with my finances, my faith, my family. I trust you. And so for maybe some of us this morning, it's just a recentering, a refocus on the truth that you truly care and you have our best interest in mind. As you're sitting there this morning, whether your heads are bowed, eyes closed, whatever you can do to just kind of focus on your Heavenly Father right now, just repeat this after me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your love and your grace. I thank you for your care toward me and that you always have my best interest in mind. If there's any areas in my soul, in my heart where I'm stuck show those to me Holy Spirit because I don't want to be stuck in Jesus I give you permission to bring healing and to deal with those areas in my life in Jesus name and everyone said Amen